0: Could you imagine having to deal with the cleanup after nuclear contamination? It was around over 30 years ago that the Chernobyl incident occurred. you probably heard of it. Only 31 people directly died immediately in the aftermath of the incident. But as time showed, countless innumerable lives were affected by the contamination of radiation poisoning. So that years later, people were seeing the problems of birth defects and poisoning and cancer. Innumerable lives were affected. And then there was that incident which occurred about nine years ago now in Fukushima. Scientists are now saying that what happened at Fukushima far exceeds the contamination that happened at Chernobyl. Radiation has been leaking through the water and the groundwater into the ocean and spreading. The Fukushima accident was a partial meltdown. And just like the Chernobyl incident took years and years of efforts to to mitigate the damage. In fact, they're still at Chernobyl, even after 30 years, working on mitigation efforts. And for Fukushima, they're still estimating it's gonna take another perhaps 30, 40 years before they've finished all the cleanup process. And even then, the perfect will never be, the cleanup will never be perfect and complete. You see, when nuclear contamination gets out, we can begin to feel helpless. How the, the spreading of radiation can cause effects for generations afterwards, even drifting across the ocean and affecting lives of millions. It makes us feel utterly helpless to fix it. Well, what we read about in Genesis chapter 3 is a ruin and a contamination which far exceeds that of a nuclear incident. It's one which permeates further than a 20-mile radius of evacuation. It goes to every human being on this planet and it brings ruin on every corner of this world. It's the reason why we have to deal with things like nuclear contamination and why we have every other malice and evil in this life. And though it was started by one man so long ago, it still affects us today, and we are still ourselves helpless to not only not contain it, but to cure it and remove the pain and the evil that it has brought. This morning, we continue our series looking at the book of Genesis, and we take a look at what happened and how this world was brought to ruin. But at the same time, we're also going to see how our God promised not to just simply contain The poison and the evil that was spread, but to completely remove it. And when we look and see at the ruin of creation and the loss of paradise, we will also see the seed of hope that God has planted. Now, when someone describes a nuclear incident, quite often it comes down to design failure or comes down to human failure. That is, They say perhaps this destruction was inevitable because something was either designed wrong or because some human being didn't follow the right protocol and they made a pretty bad mistake. But that's not the way it is with God's creation. You see, he made everything perfectly. There was no design error in paradise. When God gave man paradise to live in and he created woman, They had been created in the image of God, not designed for failure, but designed to be like God, holy and righteous. They could continue forever in perfection under his design. And the world he had created was without contamination and it was perfect. No, we can't blame the creator for what went wrong. It's not design error, but it is human error. Here in Genesis chapter 3, we see our enemy, And the first description of him, the serpent, who here is the devil, as scripture makes clear, comes and deceives. He's described here as cunning. And he will take whatever form it takes to deceive and to bring about destruction. See, his target is to ruin God's paradise and to ruin God's creation. And he will do that through deception. Here he takes on the form of a serpent in order to carry on a dialogue with Eve and Adam. And he will do the same for you. The devil won't come with a label or come as one who clearly identifies himself. He will come in a way that he will try to disguise himself and deceive those he tries to ruin. It says in the scripture, the devil masquerades. And as he does so, he comes even still today to attack And you'll see him in the campaigns that are for advertisements or you'll see him in the agendas that people will put out in which they appear to be helping but really are causing destruction and we see here as he starts off one of his tactics his tactic is to bring us to doubt god's word the serpent said to the woman did god really say you cannot eat from any tree in the garden Notice the devil's emphasis is on restriction. God had said you can eat from every tree in the garden. His emphasis was abundance. But as the devil gets Eve to try to doubt God's word, his attack is really twofold. He, one, wants us to get us to doubt God's word, but he also wants us to doubt God's goodness. Eve responds. She knows scripture well enough. God did say we can eat from any tree in the garden, but there is one, save one, that He told us not to. And so the devil is at it. The devil meets his match, right? Except not only does He start with His tactic of doubt and start with His tac- tactic of getting us to turn aside from seeing the goodness of God, He is determined, and His attacks will be persistent. He sees how Eve has known God's word and has shared God's word. And he'll see the same today. People will stand up to him and he'll try to get us to doubt God's word or doubt God's goodness. But we know what God has said. Has God said certain things are wrong or certain things are bad? Yes, he has. And we know that. But he's determined. And as he gets Eve to doubt God's goodness, he moves on to the next tactic to doubt and distort God's word. You not will surely die, the devil says, directly quoting God, but completely defying what God has said. For God knows when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. You see, the devil's tactic once again is to say, God is holding back. God doesn't want you to have something that you really ought to have. He distorts the truth. Would their eyes be opened? Yes. But not in a way that they would know good and evil like God does, something to be avoided, but in a way in which they would experience the pain of it. Would they be like God? Far from it. They would fall away from being in God's image. The devil gives a half-truth as he allows Adam and Eve to contemplate, perhaps God is not good or loving. And here Eve entertains the thought. And notice it says here, she saw the fruit and she desired it. Sin begins here and here in the head and the heart. And Satan knows this. And he knows if he can get us to turn our eyes away from God's word and away from God and his goodness, we'll begin to desire what is destructive, and destroys our souls and bodies, and ruins God's creation. That's how the devil's still operating today, isn't it? He'll say to the young man as he goes to the party and all of his friends are doing drugs, and the man knows, he knows this is harmful, but he doesn't want to miss out, does he? He doesn't want to be left out of the loop. Will it really harm him that much? And the young woman who's contemplating abortion is given that lie that she'll have a better career or a better romantic relationship if she goes through with the abortion. But just as it does for the man with the drugs, and just as it does for the woman who cannot ever find satisfaction in love in that career or that romance, sin always comes back to bite in the end. It does for you and I. Don't you and I look at what what we see here of Eve being deceived by the devil and say, don't do it, he's a deceiver. It might look good or might sound appealing and it might seem desirable to your eyes, but it's going to bite you in the end. Yet at the same time, how many times have not you and I, against better knowledge, knowing that it will bite us in the end, given way and given out to the devil's ploys, and ourselves swallowed the same type of lies, that perhaps, perhaps God wants to hold back something good from us and we should take it for ourselves. We see the ruin of creation. The devil has deceived Adam and Eve. And make no mistake here, Eve acted. Eve saw and desired and took. But it says the man was with her. Adam was absent in speech or defense of God. But he was not absent. See, the the devil counts on inaction from men. And Adam just stood by. It says he was right there. He was with Eve, with her. And when the devil addresses Eve, it's actually plural in the Hebrew. You. He's speaking to both of them. But Adam just simply steps back and lets Eve do all the defense of God's word. He counts on this still today. Inaction From Christian men brothers if you're a father head of a household God wants you to speak how many men today aren't tempted to just step back see the devil's tactics and to say well that's really I let the wife handle that when it comes to spiritual matters And how many men don't step back and remain absent in their family in the spiritual training of their family and don't speak up for God's word when they ought to The devil counts on this. His tactics are to get us to doubt God's word, to doubt God's goodness, to distort the truth, and he counts on inaction from men. Eve was left alone to battle Satan and to carry on that dialogue alone as Adam stood silent right next to her. Christian men, don't let this be the case. We see the ruin that came. When Adam and Eve partook and they ate what God had forbidden, yes, their eyes were opened as they experienced evil and they felt shame and fear. And Adam and Eve had ruined the perfection of God's creation. It was not design fault. Nobody forced this on them. They were not deceived. They willfully took, they willfully chose to disobey God. And in doing so they brought ruin and a curse on all of creation but i want you to note here the ruin of creation and all that followed as it describes all the following the destruction the death the despair how adam and eve responded when god came to them they fled they tried to cover up their guilt they tried to toss the blame on each other or on the devil And when it all came down to it, they could do nothing to fix what had been broken. The ruin of creation still affects us today as we see people trying to cover up their sin or trying to hide from God and trying to do something to repair it. But the malice and the evil and the curse of sin remains in this world. And just as Adam and Eve were helpless to deal with their situation, so are we today. Paradise has been lost. It's been ruined And it's only our God who can step in to bring restoration and to fix what was ruined. Notice when God speaks to them here in Genesis chapter 3, he comes to Adam. After all, it was Adam he holds here accountable first. And he says, what have you done? Giving him a chance to confess. God desires that man and woman turn to him. And in him, They look for the solution to the destruction and curse of sin. And I also want you to note, we'll look at this more next week, but note God says, cursed is the serpent, the devil. Cursed is the earth and the ground. But he does not directly put that curse, not on the man and woman. That's because God had a plan to take away that curse from them. He sent his son into the world. And he would do what it was impossible for any of us to ever do not just contaminate the ruin, not just contain the contamination of sin and its destruction, but completely cure and cleanse this creation and completely heal us from its contamination and evils and every malice. Jesus, the Son of God, came to take that curse on us, on himself, and in his flesh so that we would not remain under the curse and contamination of sin. He took it on himself once and for all to cleanse us and to set us free from sin's evil. This is God's solution. Here in the very early pages of Genesis, we see how God responds when we could not. You know, in in 1957, There was a leak of radiation in the Soviet Union and the solution that they had for the time was really, I guess, the best they thought they could do, try to hide it. In fact, for years they they did not order evacuation for several ethnic groups in the area. They allowed them to be contaminated with the radiation, despite knowing the problems and the evils. And for many years and generations afterwards, there were many birth defects many stillborns, many cases of cancer, and great suffering by the people that lived under that contamination. That was the solution the Soviet Union had in 1957. They didn't know how to clean up nuclear contamination. They felt helpless. They tried to cover it up. Well, God didn't do that when his world fell under the contamination of sin. God spoke of the consequences of sin and he made clear what was going to happen because of the spread of sin. He spoke of the curse on this world. He spoke of what was to come. He mentioned there'd be death and suffering. But he also spoke of his plan and his solution, not just to contain it, but to restore and to heal. Next week we get to look more at that promised deliverer and God's plan to fix what was destroyed. Here in Genesis chapter 3, we see another foundation of the faith. This world has been ruined and contaminated by sin. And our God, he alone is the one that steps in. Human error, human fault caused it but divine intervention alone can save and restore. Amen.